0: Well, if you are, uh, in, in case you don't know, we are going through a series through the book of Psalms here in, in Mounts of View. We're not doing every Psalm, we're doing uh, a select number of Psalms. And last time I was with you, uh, we looked at Psalm 88. Uh, and next in line is Psalm 90. But today we're actually going to do Psalm 100. And there's a deeply, profoundly theological reason for that. Kids or anyone, do you know what that is? I mean, that's really deep, yeah, but it's not that deep. The, the reason we're doing Psalm 100 today instead of Psalm 90 is because it's short. <laughs> and I did not have time to cover Psalm 90 uh, properly this morning, so we're looking at Psalm 100 Uh, And uh, just a few observations, the big picture here as we dive into it, as I said, this psalm is short, and that's a reminder that short prayers are okay, short prayers are good. Uh, Some people, you feel like, maybe you're thinking, yeah, that's you, Charles, uh, don't know how to pray short prayers, but short prayers are good, short prayers work. Second thing I want to observe about this big picture is this psalm is exuberant, I mean, this this is not somebody who's expressing religious duty to God. Like, this is somebody who is so satisfied, so overjoyed uh, overjoyed in the presence of God that that they just can't help but shout out God's praise. Uh, this This is the overflow. Psalm 100 is clearly the overflow of someone's life who is so satisfied in God that they just can't help but proclaim it. Uh, An illustration of this, Uh, you all graciously allowed my family and I to have a a week vacation last week. It was great to get away and just spend some time together as family, and we got to enjoy Glacier National Park, and that was my first time up to to Glacier, and it is amazing. If you have not been to Glacier, it is amazing, Um, and... uh, Pastor Ron and I and my wife were out on a hike one day uh, along the Highline Trail, if, if you're familiar with that one. And it's this great view over the mountains. And the mountains are just they're stunning, and they're in full color. And, and we're walking along, and just, Ron just stops at one moment and just lifts up his hands, and he goes, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Uh, hiking sticks in hand. And now why did he do that? Well, it wasn't because he was a pastor and he's on the clock. You know, well, this is my dude. He got to do this. Uh, it wasn't so, I, you know, I didn't say, hey, Ron, could I have a sermon illustration? You know, could you give me something? Like, it, just, it, it was because I think what was going on in, in your heart, Ron, this was the same that was going on in my heart was just this looking around at the beauty. And you just can't help but want to praise God because I know the God who made this. And God, you're amazing that you put this together. Worship is the overflow of a heart that is wowed by God, that is satisfied with God. And that's what Psalm 100 is. Third observation. Notice this psalm is corporate. It speaks to the congregation. Uh, And what's so striking about this prayer, this song, is that it never directly addresses God, yet it is worship to God. In fact, the, the, the superscript tells us it's a psalm for giving thanks. So in other words, there's this... We can talk to one another and be worshiping and giving thanks to God. And that's a corporate thing. You can't do that alone. There's a lot of things you can do. You can read your Bible on your own. You can, you can pray on your own. But there's an there's a element to the Christian life that can only happen corporately. That's why I look forward to coming here on Sundays, that we gather and we gather and we worship corporately. There is something supernatural in that. It's powerful. Uh, Next, notice that this psalm asks nothing from God. There's not a single request in this psalm. Now, it is right to take our needs to God in prayer, and in fact, I would argue, Mountain View, that we don't, it's not that we're asking too much from God. I would think, I think we're not asking enough. Uh, Scripture says, you have not because you ask not, James says, and so we, it is right to take our prayer requests and needs to God. I, I was so encouraged. Uh, Robbie, I don't know if you, you were there, but in Awana on Wednesday as they're, they're praying, one of the kids pipes up and says, hey, pray for the roof. As you all know, we need to replace our roof, which is super expensive uh, for us, not to God who made the universe. Uh, and I was just encouraged, like, yes, gold star, kid. Uh, the, so it's right to take our prayer requests. So by all means, Keep asking. And encourage you, I'd love to see more of you come into our Wednesday night prayer meeting or the Awana prayer meeting uh, or a prayer at 8.45 uh, in the, on Sundays in the library. Uh, but is not just for asking. A, a full prayer life means that many of our prayers will simply be expressions of gratitude and thanks to God. And that we need to be cultivating a habit of endless praise, of, of just praising God, of giving thanks to God constantly throughout our days as individuals, Constantly as a congregation, corporately, that, that praise to God, thanksgiving to God, should be a, an overflow out of our hearts and lives. This psalm teaches us about God, and, and it's profound what it reveals. It's wonderful what it reveals. This psalm also teaches us about us, and that's going to be both encouraging and humbling. Well, that's kind of a, a big picture of Psalm 100, so what we're going to learn today, let's dive in and learn it. And the big idea from Psalm 100 for us is intentionally know and give thanks to God. And, and every word in that big idea is very, uh, well, intentional. <laughs> uh, so, and, and it has a lot of meaning behind it. Intentionally know and give thanks to God. Intentionally know and give thanks to God. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh, all the earth. Serve Yahweh with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name for Yahweh is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's let's break this this, this short prayer down. Verses one and two, make a joyful noise to Yahweh. Uh, Many translations uh, translate this shout triumphantly or or shout in triumph. Uh, So this this is making some noise. This is not a quiet worship service. I mean, literally shouting, shouting to the Lord, all the earth. Serve Yahweh with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Application number one, worship God. Worship God. We need to be intentional about giving thanks and praise to God. Uh, It's not just praying for the things we need. It's not uh, just when when we feel like it. It's in, in developing an intentionality of worshiping God constantly. And notice what's striking. This is a psalm, right? This is the this is part of the Hebrew Bible. This is part of the God's people, the Jews praying. This is their songbook. But who is called to worship here? All the earth. The Jews as God's chosen people were never intended to be, that's where it ends, that was the beginning, God says, in fact, one of the prophets, Isaiah, uh, God says, it's too small a thing for the Messiah to rescue just Israel. I'm going to rescue all the nations uh, through him. And so all the nations are called to worship. Christianity, maybe, I don't know if you've thought of this, Lorne, but you as a missionary are part of a worldwide liberation movement to set people free. The gospel is good news of great joy, of setting people free from darkness and slavery to sin and a life of hopelessness and purposelessness, bringing them to know the one true God, to find the joy that is only found in God's presence. And and the psalmist says, serve Yahweh with gladness. And that's so telling of of, of who God is because you don't serve a tyrant with gladness. Maybe you serve him uh, out of fear Maybe you serve him because you have to, or he'll whack you. But but if you're serving with gladness, it is a joy to serve the Lord. What does that say? It It says something about the profound goodness of God, that he is satisfying. What does the psalmist say in another psalm? Taste and see that the Lord is good. And if you don't know that kind of joy, if you don't know that, if you have not tasted him, then you don't know him. Maybe you just got religion, but true Christianity is a experiential joy of our God who made us and loved us and rescued us and comes to live inside of us. Well, in in rapid succession, the psalmist has already given us three commands in just two verses. Now he's going to give us a fourth command that is the central port part of this psalm he says know that Yahweh he is God it is he who made us and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture application number two know God and know ourselves know God and know ourselves and that's really really more profound than you probably realize so let me try to explain First, I say that this is the central command because Psalm, 9, sorry, Psalm 100 uh, gives evidence of a chiastic structure. If you're uh, new to us, uh, a chiasm is a, uh, a stylistic uh, structure that Hebrew poetry often uses. And it's a way of, well, it's, one, it's just a beautiful thing to do, but it's also a way of showing emphasis. So a chiasm would start off with like thought A and then thought B and then you've got thought C sandwiched in the middle, and then you have thought B again and then thought A again. So it kind of makes a sandwich. It's like a Hebrew poetical sandwich, okay? So A, B, C, B, A. Are are you tracking with me? Okay, I hope you are. Um, So this this psalm uh, expresses a chiasm, except it's A, B, C, D, that's verse three, that's the center. Then you've got CBA again. And this is especially evident, you don't see this uh, in the ESV, but in some of the other translations you might notice. In verse uh, two, it says, come into his presence with singing. Well, then in verse four, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Well, that word come and enter, it's the exact same word in Hebrew. And so that's very clear that there's a sandwich here, that, that knowing the Lord, uh, that knowing that he is God, that sandwich in the middle, this is the central thought To this psalm. And so, knowing that Yahweh, that's the personal name of God revealed to Moses at the burning bush, knowing that Yahweh is God is the foundation, it's the central aspect of this psalm. And it's foundational to us that we know who God is and and who we are. Joni, you're talking about wanting to help people uh, in in biblical counseling, And, and what you will find so often is that people's problems are related to either a lack of application or knowing of who God is or a lack of understanding of who they are in Christ or something of both combined. It's that we got to know God rightly. Um, you know, it's been said that uh, the, the thing that everybody has to learn is that there is a God and you're not him. And that really is profound if you, if you really unpack that, because most people in their rebellion against God, and even as Christians in our sinfulness and our weakness and our immaturity, live like practical atheists, where we're not living, where we're aware that there's a God who rules the universe and who rules all things and including every aspect of our lives. Um. Knowing that God is knowing God rightly, his sovereignty. We talked about this uh, uh, previously. Knowing God's sovereignty, he's in control of everything. Knowing his power, that he has all power. Knowing his wisdom, that he is infinitely wise, that his wisdom is unsearchable. Knowing his love, his love is steadfast and goes on forever. And this is the winning combination because you can trust a God who is all powerful, in control, knows perfectly what is best for you and loves you perfectly forever. You, you put all those uh, characteristics together, and that is the winning combination. This is the God you can trust with your life. And we need to know ourselves rightly. He says, it is he who made us. Again, that's part of that submission. Who are we? We are created beings. There's a God, and we're not him. To realize that I am under the lordship of another. The, the logic of the Bible is that you have rights over whatever you make. And because God is our creator, he has all rights over us. He made us, but it's not just that he made us. And this is what the people of God can say that the world cannot. We are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And that is profoundly encouraging and it is profoundly humbling. It's profoundly encouraging because this is where my life can be found. This is where my identity can be found. Uh, Lauren shared with us in the nine o'clock hour in the Sunday Bible time of uh, the, the anxiety that a lot of Quebec are wrestling through and they're, they're finding their identity in social media or they're, and, and that's a terrible, you know unstable foundation for your life. Uh, if you're... If you're if your identity is based on how many likes you have or how popular you are, what people think of you. And Jesus just liberates us from that, that we don't find our identity in what people think of us or how popular we are. We find our identity that God says you are mine. One of the most transformational things in my life, personally, was a, a switch from finding my identity in my accomplishments to finding my identity, that God is my Father, and He loves me, and I am His forever. But it's also humbling because He says, we're the sheep of His pasture. And that's encouraging because... God is the, the perfect shepherd, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and then he goes, David goes on to say in that psalm all the ways that God lovingly and perfectly cares for him as shepherd. And we looked at that several months ago. If you missed it, you can find it on our YouTube channel, uh, the message from Psalm 23. But I encourage you to look at that if you, if you weren't here. Um, but, uh, and that's what's so amazing. Then Jesus shows up on the scene in John 10 and says, I am the good shepherd, which is this profound claim to divinity if, 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 if Yahweh is the, the shepherd and then Jesus shows up and says, I am the good shepherd, it's a claim to, God, to being God in the flesh. That's wonderfully encouraging that we have a shepherd who's looking out for us, who's caring for us, who's, who's taking care of us, protecting us, leading us. It is such a great thing that I am not the captain of my fate, I'm not the master of my destiny, that I have a shepherd who leads me, who is protecting me, who picks me up, who cares for me, who guides me, and, and so often does it more beautifully than I even, I, I mean, he does things that we don't even know to ask. And I just look back in hindsight, I'm like, God, I didn't, I didn't even know what I needed. I didn't even know what to ask for, and you, you gave it, you provided. But this is also really humbling, because remember, church, where on the, on the scale of animal Uh, intelligence are sheep they're dumb sheep are stupid animals right okay and i think that might apply to goats too because we saw this in glacier like we we, god blessed us with multiple uh wildlife sightings and we saw a flock of goats and they just stopped in the middle of the road there's this car and they just stopped they're like we don't know where to go do we like walk in front of the car do we like no they just stayed in the road and um terry wilbanks uh one of our uh, missionaries who's going to be with us soon he's going to share with us uh he can tell you about his story about sheep when he was in Scotland. Uh, but sheep are stupid animals. They're dumb, and they do all these dumb things, and they need care. Like, sheep cannot survive without shepherds. They have to have a shepherd. You know, the moose, they're great. You know, the bighorn sheep up on the mountains, they're great. They're on their own. They can survive. The deer, all, you know, all these animals can make it on their own. The squirrels, the chipmunks, uh, they survive just fine. But sheep don't make it. They will not make it without a shepherd. And so it's really humbling. It's really, uh, it, it brings great confidence, but it is great humility to say, God, I'm a sheep. We're just dumb sheep. God, have mercy on Mountain View. We're just a bunch of dumb sheep, led by some dumb sheep. God, we need you. Some of you are like, I am underlining that in my sermon notes. We are led by dumb sheep. <laughs> I'll look forward to that in one of the future cards. Thank you for being our dumb sheep. Okay, anyway. Um, Hey, if the shoe fits, you know, like, well, if God made us and we are His and He cares for us, what's the right response? Worship. The right response is worship. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Application number three Praise the Lord because of His goodness, love, and faithfulness. Praise the Lord because of His goodness his love, and his faithfulness. We worship God because of who he is. This isn't based on our circumstances. There's nothing in this psalm that says, hey God, because I'm feeling healthy, I'm gonna praise you. Hey God, because you've really blessed me with a nice new chariot and a nice new donkey, I'm I'm gonna bless you. No, our thanksgiving to God is not based on our circumstances. It's based on who God is. And who is God? God is good. God alone is good. And in a world that is full of atrocities and evil and injustice, this is such good news that God is good. He's completely good. And, and the Bible affirms this over and over again. Remember what the Apostle John taught us in 1 John? He says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Some people reject God because of the existence of evil in the world. But evil in the world is what points us to the existence of God. Because if you are going to ask an atheist, what's wrong with the world? The only logical answer is nothing. Nothing's wrong with the world. It just is. And so it doesn't matter if there's genocide going on here and it doesn't matter that, that poor are being exploited in this country. and It doesn't matter that human trafficking is happening here. Nothing, nothing matters. It just is. It's just the universe. It's one big cosmic accident. But you know at the depths of your being that that is not true. That when you read about horrific things that happen to children, when you read about injustice, when you see evil, that it's real. Evil is not just a construct. It's not just a preference. Oh, you like vanilla ice cream? I like chocolate ice cream. You like torturing and killing people? I like giving money to the Red Cross. It's all the same. No, it is not. And that only makes sense in a biblical worldview that there is a God, because if there is no God, there is no right or wrong. If there's no If there's no moral law, if there's no moral law giver, there's no moral law. But we know there's a moral law. It's written on our hearts. We know that good and evil are not subjective. They're real. And that is evidence for God. And the good thing, we praise God because in a world that is full of evil, and if we're honest, also resides in every one of our own hearts. In the midst of all that, God is good perfectly good. Evil in the world makes us long for and adore the one true God who is alone good. And his steadfast love endures forever. God will never stop loving us. His love endures forever and his faithfulness to every generation. You know, Jesus keeps every single one of his promises. People will fail you, but Jesus will not. Jesus keeps his word. Thank you. Worship team is gonna come up and they're gonna give us a moment to just reflect on what we've heard today. Psalm 100 may be short, but it is profound. Are you developing the habit of giving continuous thanksgiving to God, of giving endless praise to God, not based on your circumstances, though we certainly should be thankful for for the blessings he gives us but are you giving God thanks just because of who he is are you coming to corporate worship singing and even shouting do you know who God is do you know this God personally do you know who you are in relation to him are you like Jonah was who was religious but really just self-righteous and didn't know God personally Or have you come to know him as your Lord and Savior? Jesus offers to us eternal life, not as something we earn, but as a free gift for all who will trust that he lived a perfect life, suffered and died in our place, and gloriously rose from the dead. And that is a free gift to all who will receive it. What is God saying to you through Psalm 100 today?